welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself, obviously, uh, Lauren, Paul, and Angelica. Angelica, welcome. Thank you, Father. This is your first episode. So first, before we get into our topic, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Angelica Martinez. Um, I live in Norwalk. I love the Lord. I love children. Um, I come from a big family. Um, I go to St. Mary's in Norwalk. And what do you do for a living? I work for a company called My Catholic Doctor. It's all telehealth. Um, Shameless plug. It's a really good company. Yeah. If you're looking for Catholic telehealth. Check us out, mycatholicdoctor.com. There you go. There you go. Awesome. So I don't know about you, but I hate when people give unsolicited advice. Don't you? Like, Like people will often come up to me and say, no offense or anything, but... And you know it's going to be offensive, whatever they say next, right? Mm. And so we are going to give unsolicited advice all of today (laughs) because our topic is all about raising kids and none of us have ever done it before. But the reality is young adults, that's one of the things on our minds, especially when we're dating is, and maybe just discerning our vocation is, do we want to have a family? Do we want to be a father or mother? Do we want to have kids? And so... And a lot of young adults are choosing not to have kids, and we want to kind of talk about that today. And what you know, what's our role in passing on the faith to a new generation, passing on the family name, all that kind of stuff. So, to kind of to start off, just ask the basic question: Like, do you? Because like, I think all of you are discerning marriage, correct? Yes. Yes. None of you are like currently actively at this moment discerning religious life. So, do you desire to have kids? Yes. Yes. Not necessarily. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't. I I don't have. I've never had like a super strong desire. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. I was expecting three yeses there. <laughs> not 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 in the same way that I think a lot of women they they desire children from a very young age or they kind of see that in their future. I I think it's been a little bit different for me um, because it's always been in the present and it continues to be my future just in a little bit of a different way um coming from such a big family so how many siblings do you have so we are 11 in total i'm the second oldest i have an older brother and then the youngest one is three years old so so it's almost like even though you're 24 25 yeah so i'm 24 i'll be 25 in january and he could be my child a couple of them could be my children yeah so I think that plays a big role in it. Um, sure. You maybe need a break from raising kids before you have your own kids? <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. I think, it, if anything, it's allowed me to surrender even more to the Lord and say, hey, if you want me to have a big family or, or have children right after getting married and um, right after leaving this house, then so be it. I know that he will provide the graces. But also not using that as an excuse to say, hey, Lord, like, I can't do this, and, like, putting off children and, or something like that, you know? I think that's actually a really healthy attitude because I know a lot of people really struggle with the burden of infertility, you know, and they kind of mm. almost view it like, well, I got married so that I can have kids. But it's kind of better to have that detachment of saying, Lord, if you want me to have kids, then I will. Like a total surrender. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a different perspective because I grew up in a very small family. Like it was just uh, so my um, 
Uh, my brother, who actually passed away a few or seven years ago, um, he uh, he was my only brother, and he was six years older than me, and he was my half brother. Um, and so that was always different, right? Because you're always in completely different stages of life um, until actually we got older, and then we were kind of you know working and trying to figure things out. So that that actually we came together more closely later in life. Um, and uh, but it, that was always I was always kind of I don't know envious or whatever of of other families that had even with. Even if you had a brother or another sibling that was that was closer in age, um, that I was I was kind of looking looking at that enviously um, at one point in my life uh, because I didn't have that, uh, and that was really bradish because my brother was great and now I don't have him anymore. But hmm. um, but it's just completely different perspective. So I don't I never like I'm the young I'm the younger brother, so it wasn't there was no ever there's no kids around other than me. So would you have a desire for a big family? Yeah, I think it's whatever size is the Lord provides in that sense. I mean, I don't have like, I need to have, you know, 4.75 kids. Like that's not like <laughs> How do people get that 0.75. I don't know. It's, it's tough. You're missing you know, a limb. The average was that the average Catholic devout family is probably some, some, some weird decimal place number like that. But, um, I think the average right now is like 1.7. Yeah. We're below replacement like below rate, replacement, which is yeah. dangerous, which is really, which is really tough. Um, it's tough and especially in, not to get it, not to go on a tangent, but in, in developed in Western Europe and then also in Japan, they are well below replacement rate and they're starting to see it actually in China too is actually below replacement rate now. Um, and they're starting to see it in economic troubles and just burdens on the younger generations and that actually keeps going down. It's not reversing. So, yeah. So what about you? Well, I guess, um, I had a similar experience growing up as Paul in that it was just me and my brother who's 15 months younger than me for most of it, you know, my whole childhood. And then when I was 14, my brother Johnny was born. So that was like the greatest gift ever. But as a little kid, I always wanted more siblings. I just didn't think it was possible. I thought our family was set and that was it. Mm -hmm. And I used to, like, I didn't know I could pray for it, but I would wish there'd be a baby left on our front door. So (laughs) all the time. So, and I wanted a big family when I grew up. My dad is one of nine. I have a lot of cousins. A lot of my cousins' families are four kids, you know? So that's what I always wanted. And then I know when I got to like middle school age, I knew kind of like what Angelica was saying. I wanted three kids, two girls and a boy. And then when I got a little bit older, it, it's become four, two girls and two boys. So then you're my have a middle child, right? I guess not. But uh, yeah, that would be my yeah. ideal, I think, you situation. Two middle, two middle children? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it works that way. Um, yeah, it's such a different, it's, it's a, I mean, everyone's perspective is different. I know you had a big family, right, Father Joseph? So I don't I mean, know. Where, where did you fall? I'm the oldest of five. That's big. Enough. And I mean, I, for, for your, for our generation, it's, it's, it's huge. It's big. Yeah, yeah it's very it's large. I mean, I, you know, I was also homeschooled and in the homeschool community, it was tiny. Right. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Big. That's a different community. <laughs> we, we could fit in a minivan. Everyone else needed that 15 passenger extension. Right. But, uh, but I remember when my mom, because I was 11 when my youngest brother was born, and I can remember my mom coming home saying, we're pregnant. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Partly because I really, well, A, I was very selfish, and I wanted my own room, and I knew I'd have to now share. And, and you know, I knew babies were a lot of work, and I knew I'd be part of that work, taking care of it and, you know, t- changing the diaper and all that stuff. But now, looking back, my gosh, I'm so grateful. Like, I love my youngest brother, Patrick, and I couldn't imagine life without him. So he's definitely a gift. You know, and I'm glad my parents were open to that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny how how open they were because um, so I used to be I used to go to public school, and uh, I was taken out of public school because they started teaching overpopulation. Mm. That big myth. Oh yeah, we were taught that. Yeah. And, and uh, I came home one day and said, "Mom, you can't have any more kids. My teacher says the world is too full." <laughs> She's like, "You're out of that school." <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember being taught that. It was the the world, you know, the humans are going to destroy the earth because we're having too many babies. Now, like, we need more people because it looks like the population of the world is probably going to peak out at 9 billion, and that's not good because you don't have enough. It's just the way the economy works. You need more people. Yeah. But Africa and South America are hanging in there, but... Yeah, slowing down, though, across the world. It is. The more developed they get, the less children they have. That's correct. Which brings us to the next interesting point, and that's that's kind of the the difference between what the church, how the church views children, and how uh, the world views children. One is that it's a burden or something you plan. You know, when I was a young priest, I would often ask couples as they're preparing for marriage, I'd say, "Well, okay, you know, you're open to life. Well, how many kids do you want to have?" And it's usually always two, or maybe three, if you're lucky. And then I realized that's a terrible question to even ask, because it should never be about how many kids do you want to have. It's about how many kids does God want you to have. How many kids is God willing to give you? Is that is that kind of a scary thing for young adults to think about? Like just being completely so open and trusting to God that He'll will accept whatever He sends. Yeah, I think nowadays for sure. I think mostly from a, like a male perspective, I think immediately we think of just how do you support a family of that size, just financially, and somehow the families do. They just do it, um, and it's hard, but. You know, but but as I've I don't know as my as my career has progressed and I've kind of worked up the income levels, I don't worry about that as much anymore, which is <laughs> not the right right thing. But it's probably not the right way to get there. But I guess it is a it is a gift that I can I have that at least. Do you find yourself worrying about anything else? Oh, I worry about lots of things. Oh, yeah. That's not one of them. Is, what, the, what would be like the top one for like becoming a father and like having many children? If it's not any, I worry about that. I'm too selfish that I'm not going to be able to be as selfless as I need to be. Hmm. Well, that's what having kids is all about, right? I mean, it forces you to be selfless because I mean, when that newborn baby is there, you need to attend to all their needs, mm-hmm. you know? And then up until about age two, you're essentially preventing themselves from killing themselves right? <laughs> <laughs> at any given time. So yeah, they're the priority. But, yeah, I think you, and then you have more kids, and more kids, more kids. <laughs> I've been counseled, and then teenagers start driving, and then yeah. to- <laughs> I've been told that that is a common worry, and that I've been counseled personally that it, I would probably be okay. That there's much there's much people that are worse than me, so mm. that's somewhat comforting. But it's that's probably my biggest fear. Mm, that's interesting, and it, I think it gets more fearful as I get older because as you get older and you don't have kids, because I'm 31, and the more selfish I think I become naturally. Mm. Well, definitely, the more entrenched we are in our yeah entrenched. Yeah, that's a good way of making it more charitable. <laughs> Angelica, what, what do you think about, you know, accepting children as a gift? Is that kind of a frightening thought? Um, I think it, it, it can be, but I, I, I see it more as a freedom because then you don't have to really worry about like the preparing for a child, the planning in the same way that you would if you were to choose how many children you would have and then you have to like do all the math, right? And if the Lord just throws like five kids at you when you're planning for two, then you already know that he's going to provide and, and just resting in that and, and allowing that to bring you peace. That's that's where I am now. I'm, I can't say that I was there like two years ago, but um, no, it's not frightening. Um, the frightening piece, I think, is facing yourself and saying, okay, like, I, I, why am I scared? And, and the reality a lot of the time is, is that like, you don't trust God Mm. and, and trusting God is, is difficult sometimes because like, 
I think I think we don't know how to do it sometimes. And, and the not knowing is the piece where we go crazy, right? We want control. Mm. Um, and saying, I don't know to things sometimes is like, you sound dumb. <laughs> you feel dumb. But it's but when you start realizing like the, I don't know, like, it's like, I don't know. And, and, and but the Lord knows, like, he's on my side and I'm not alone. Um, Amen. So. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. And I think God does provide, you know? I mean, in my family, having five kids, we there was a lot we didn't do. We never went to Disney. Still never been to Disney in my life, you know? And I don't feel like I missed that. But, you know, I mean, the, people are like, you know, and it's it funny. My I love my parents to death, and they're some of the cheapest people I've ever met. In frugal, frugal. Frugal, yes. Frugal is frugal, frugal. Word, yeah. When we went out to eat, we were forbidden, forbidden from ever ordering drinks. It water. Was, yeah, it was all water. Right. Because my dad wanted to save money, which I understand with five kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to mm-hmm. pinch the pennies sometimes. But I really thought growing up, I thought we were very poor. Apparently we weren't. But Yeah. Well, an iced, uh, an unsweetened iced tea now in Stanford costs like $6 or something like that. So Ooh. maybe five if you're lucky. So I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stanford's a tough place to raise a family, to yeah, be honest. Like, very pricey. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's the thing is that you you make sacrifices. But how many gifts do you get when you have more kids? I'm having free hugs and heck yeah, father. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, I think that's what a lot of people miss out on because I think what Angelica said was spot on is everyone wants to control, right? So, you know, whenever people decide to get married nowadays, because many have these extended relationships right before marriage and they're living together. So then they decide to get married and then they choose at a certain point, okay, we want to start having kids now. So they're probably stopping using some kind of birth control, right? And then they expect to have like kid number one, then they wait however long, then they have kid number two. This is manageable. Okay, we're done, right? Um, and I just think that lacks that foresight, right, of, of each new kid is a gift. And once you have them, right, like you said, you could never imagine life without them. But if you're just stuck in your plan and how you want to live your life and the comfort level, you know, that you want to maintain, right, because of whatever your financial situation is or however much you think you can handle, you could be missing out on so much more. And then we're becoming like our own gods, right? Mm-hmm. I'm choosing when and how many I want. And just the exact opposite of a life of faith that Angelica described of giving it up to him and, and trusting him. And how awesome it is to receive a gift, right? Wouldn't it be boring if you knew exactly what the gift was sitting under the Christmas tree? Like, the, where's the surprise? Where's the delight in that, you know? Finding the presents is, beforehand is fun. What do you mean? Going to hunt around the house <laughs> to find the presents before they appear under the tree. Is That's that Santa did for you? If Santa was a abstraction that I didn't subscribe to for, <laughs> for at a very young age. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what a gift, you know, what, how awesome that is to receive a yeah, gift that you didn't good. plan for. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, to have a kid that you didn't plan for, like, wow, what a gift. Awesome. And sometimes it is overwhelming, I'm sure, right? How can we, you know, take on a kid? We just had one, let's say, I don't know, 10 months ago, you know, like we don't have the money for this. We have to work, but. You haven't slept in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it works out, right? Like, like Angelica just put it perfectly. God will give you the graces, but we have to know that. We have to believe that. Yeah. Well, you think about St. Catherine of Siena was the youngest of 25 children. That poor mother, 25 children. I don't think there were any twins in there either. But if, if she had said after 24, I'm done. I'm not letting God give me one more gift. We wouldn't have this doctor of the church. Mm. You know, who knows what saint 
is going to come out? You know, what priest? What nun? What, what finder of the cure for cancer is going to come out if you're open to, to the gift God has? Yeah. So let's talk about parenthood now because you know, accepting kids is one thing. Raising kids is, is kind of an, quite another. And anybody can have a kid, but to be a good parent is, is a challenge. So what do you think your parents did that you would like to imitate as a parent? Yeah, I think my parents, they always had this, there was never, I never felt, even through like, and I think my brother would probably agree, but even through our rebellious, I didn't really rebel, but uh, our supposed <laughs> should have been rebellious teenage years would have been, our parents never, our, our, there was never a doubt that our parents were on our side. Mm. In one way or another, and that could be when they yelled at us or punished us, that's still on our side, right? Um, and there was never a doubt about that. That's and, awesome. And and even when one was a complete brat, you always you always knew in the back of your head that parents were going to be there, even if they're mad at you, or you did something terrible. Well, Paul's form of rebellion is jaywalking. <laughs> I still jaywalk quite a bit. <laughs> I enjoy it. You rebel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's that that's what my parents and and they're still that way. I mean, my parents are still alive and everything, and I talk to them most days. I would say. Um, and. I don't know. It's just, it's, we have a very good relationship. That's awesome. You're a good son because I don't talk to my parents that often. Yeah. <laughs> I think they learn about more about my life through Restless than <laughs> maybe <laughs> anything uh, else. What, what, what would you say your parents did right? Either? Uh, I think my parents did a lot of things right, given how I turned out. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, let's see. They gave us so many opportunities, you know, so many activities and sports. Uh, we were a very close family. Like we did so many things together, playing games or activities. So they were very present. Um, you know, I had a great childhood, given great advice throughout my whole life, support. I mean, they expected us to do well in school, but that was something that I wanted to do like anyway. So that that was good. Um, they obviously brought us to mass every week, and again, we're just present, right? Um, so we could model that the faith was important from then. Yeah. So, so many things that my parents did really well that I would love to emulate. That's awesome. Yeah. Even though my, it was interesting, you just said that. Uh, I know Angelica was going to say something, but um, the uh, I remember my dad worked a lot, like a real lot at one point, either long commute and working a lot, or or one or the other. And, but I never felt that he was not present. I never had that feeling of like, where's dad? I'm sad that dad's not. And I never had that. Hmm. So I don't know how we worked that, but maybe because we would wait till 930 at night to eat dinner. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes. That's so bad for your health. Yeah. Well, I wasn't very healthy. So there you go. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but, but yeah, so we would, we would always have dinner together and that was very important for the family. It didn't matter what time it was. And so we never felt that he was far away. So I guess that was, that was pretty big. I end up with the standard like daddy issues thing that that in in those circumstances where that might happen. Hmm. What about you, Angelica? Um, I think I'm I'm at a point in my life where I'm looking uh, at my childhood and I'm a little bit angry. So so I think a lot of things are uh, foggy when it comes to my childhood and my how my parents raised me, and you know. I, I like how I turned out. I, I, and, and the reason for it is, is the one thing that's always like highlighted is that at the root, there is always the Lord. And even if I didn't understand or I wasn't happy or I was angry as a child. And even now, like it always comes back to, 
there is a God. And even if we can't communicate um, as family members, the Lord is there. And so they, they really, like, they gave me that. They gave me that I, I am not alone. I, I don't have to understand everything that we don't have to understand each other. And, and that, that's, that's brought me um, to where I am today. And it continues to bring me places because I know that, that the Lord isn't changing and he's with me everywhere, right? Um, so that's interesting to hear that all three of you had parents that were very solidly Catholic. And would say that's, is that kind of your number one influence on your own faith is your parents? I know that my mom listens to this, so I have to correct one thing. We wouldn't normally eat dinner at 9.30 at night. Okay. We would eat dinner usually between 7 and 7.30, but there were times when it was later. Okay. okay. So just correct that. Yeah, I think that I was, I think my parents did a good job. And again, I'm going to watch what I say a little bit because I'll get yelled at. But um, uh, but I think that, I think I was always more, even, even at a young age, even in middle school or before, I was probably always more just interested in the faith. Hmm. But I went to Catholic school, and so there were seeds there that were planted it was not a terrible Catholic school, which is good. Um, <laughs> it's sad if that's the best thing we can say about Catholic schools. These yeah, days. it was a good Catholic school. Um, and, and so there was good seeds there, but I was always just, I'm a curious guy, so I was always more interested in looking to go deeper, even at a very young age, or maybe middle school, probably is good where to cut that off. But yeah. Um, and so whatever, so maybe sending to Catholic school is the best thing they could have done for me, hmm. for my faith journey, I would say. That's interesting. Yeah, for me, I would say my parents definitely gave me the faith in such a powerful way. The other thing that my parents gave me that, I, that I'm so grateful for is the fact that I knew that they would never split up. Mm. And they very rarely fought. I would say, I mean, they fought a little bit when I was younger, but by the time I was like 10 or 11 years old, I can't remember them fighting ever since on that point forward. And just to know that they loved each other so much that they're not going to get divorced was such a security. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I echo that, yeah. It's a real gift. It's a real gift. Mm-hmm. I knew that like, they're sticking it out. They're here for the long term, and they just, we just this summer celebrated their 40th anniversary. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Really special as a priest to be able to uh, renew their vows oh, nice. during Mass, yeah, yeah. which was really cool. Yeah, both my parents were, 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 this was their second marriage for both of them. Oh, really? So they were married at 30, almost 34, and then they had me at 35. So they were older. So I think it does, there, there's a different dynamic in that type of relationship where they've kind of done life a little bit. Yeah. And now they've settled in. So I never had that fear either, but for probably a different reason, maybe. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I guess we have to be careful with this next one, which is, uh, you know, what did, what did what mistakes did our parents make that we would hope to avoid? Or maybe we can make it more general and just simply say, what mistakes do you see in parents that you would like to avoid mm. if God willing you become a parent? Maybe not our own parents, if if they're listening. Um. So, uh, I th- I know that I would like to give each child more time. What I don't know is how difficult it is. Um, I have not yet nine younger siblings, an older brother, and it's me. And and at home, it's ten of the children. So I don't know how hard it is, but. I do desire to give each one of them more of my time. And I think that's something I'm, I'm practicing and training for now um, with my siblings as a sister. Um, and I know, I know it's difficult and it's a lot of people. And um, yeah, I, I think that's one thing I, I definitely want to not 
kind of just do do differently. Do differently, if you're, if you're yeah. A parent, mm-hmm. that's got to be a challenge when you have five kids or ten kids. How do you split your time? Yeah, it, it can't. Not that you're splitting your love. It's just that right. It, and it's not even like you can give each person a set amount of time because that's not how they'll receive your like. They can't receive it in the same way. If you give a a, a three year old five minutes and me the five minutes, it's not it's not the same versus like if you're running around with like a the three year old, he's gonna remember that and he's gonna take that and 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 really enjoy it versus me. I don't want to run around. You don't want to run around? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll play tag with you. (laughs) We don't run. (laughs) But but yeah, so it's, it's a lot to consider when, when trying to like balance it all. And I know it's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do desire, um, if, if God willing, I have children to give them each more of my attention. Um, yeah. The one thing that strikes me, I've, I've been very blessed to work in youth ministry for the last 20 years. And so I've worked with tens of thousands of teens and young people. And, and I see parents being protective of all the wrong things. Like kids, parents would give their eight-year-olds smartphones with no mm-hmm. filters whatsoever and then not let their kids go play in the dirt out back because of germs, you know, or something like that. Or like, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to actually say that. It's not what my parents said, but technology now. It's different. It's very different. Yeah, now. it's very different. Yeah. yeah, and and I think I think some parents are very they're protective in all the wrong ways. They they don't protect the soul as much as they're interested in protecting the body from harm and everything mm. else. And obviously, mm. you should protect the body without a doubt. But like, let your thirteen year old have a pocket knife. That's like you know, should be standard. But a lot of people, a lot of parents, are like, no, no, can't do that. Yeah. Well, was the pocket knife like the dangerous thing when they were growing up? I got my first pocket knife when I was like nine. Was it like carve stuff? was pretty young. Yeah. It was like a Boy Scout thing. Do Do you think like parents fully understand like the dangers of it, and like it, what it? Well, I think do? I think especially for for young men, for for guys and boys, the question that they're they're asking themselves is is Do I have the ability? Do I have the strength to use dangerous things wisely and rightly? Right? Guys like to be dangerous. Mm. And there's a way to do it that's safe, and there's a way to do it that's not safe. But there's a very clear message given by their parents if they're not ever allowed to do something that challenges them. You know, it's like, oh, no, don't don't go in the deep end of the swimming pool because you can't handle it. And that message of you can't handle it gets really deep within a, a man's psyche, I feel. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's always this question. It's, well, let's say your 20-year-old comes, girl or boy, like 20-year-old comes and says, I want to do a backpacking trip around Europe. And the first instinct for a lot of parents be like, no, absolutely not. Like, that's dangerous. Do you do that or do you help them plan it so it's the safest it could be? Yeah. Right. right. If they're a fairly competent 20-year-old. Obviously, like, yeah. Yeah, like there's some, some baseline conditions. But I think that's that's the question um, that a lot of parents have to ask. But yeah, I mean, when I was <laughs> – I'm actually kind of shocked. When I was 14, my parents let me go to a foreign country with a youth group that they'd never met any of the chaperones <laughs> and they didn't come yeah. for 10 days. It was wonderful. <laughs> I yeah. loved it. <laughs> Yeah. That's a lot of freedom. It was a ton of freedom. And I, maybe it was, you know, because it was, you know, 1998 and it wasn't 2021, but. Yeah. They were like, yeah. And they gave me confidence. Like, all right, my parents trust me. They're not, you know, I'm not going to burn down the Vatican. Good. <laughs> it does seem like a lot of parents have a really tight grip on their kids today. Yeah. You know, it used to be right. Like kids were out riding bikes all day at the neighbor's house till dinner time, And now everything is structured and planned and can't ride your bike on the street someone might 
abduct you, but it's maybe really, really low risk, right, in like these communities where we live. And so there probably should be more freedom given back to kids again. Yeah, because I think freedom freedom develops independence. Right, and, and responsibility. 40-year-olds who can't leave their parents' basement because uh, they oh, don't man. have independence. Yeah, I mean, that's Yikes. one of the best things I had. We grew up, I grew up in a suburban neighborhood and serial half-acre lots. And we were, we were during the summer, it was go out and play. Just go. Just do, get out. Yeah. Just go do something. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, there's so much more that we can say about this. In fact, we may do more than two episodes on uh, raising kids because it's really, it's a fascinating topic and it's something that hopefully as young adults we're going to be facing, not myself, but <laughs> hopefully as young adults you're going to be facing someday. Um, and give, kids are just such a great gift from God because that is the way in which these new souls are being prepared to love him. So if you're married, be open to the gift that God wants to give you. If you're not married and you're discerning marriage, pray about it. Pray about just that openness and that total trust in God, knowing that he's got a plan for you and for your family life. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.